The following episode of Fofop is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen-shaped hole, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. The father of in the holy toast. Hello and welcome to Fofop, I'm Will Anderson and uh, with me is guest Charlie Clawson, Justin Hamilton. It's early in the morning and there is a fly in the studio. This is our version of Breaking Bad, uh, the, the episode with the fly. And I was just actually thinking, if we were to get into something illicit, what would we what would we bake? Well, I mean, this back room where we are, like if I can't get it soundproofed and turned into a proper podcast studio, yeah. it would make a decent enough meth lab. Oh, yeah. Uh I mean, oh. it'd go up pretty quick. Oh my god! Really <laughs> it'd have to be, it'd have to be like a boutique meth lab. Like it's a little, it's not a big space. You know what this is? This is a Melbourne meth lab, right? <laughs> like you don't know it's no there. one's there. We're in here on uh, upside down uh, milk cartons. Yeah, everything's made out of just shit we found on the street. It's all hard rubbish, all reused stuff that we've made into a meth lab. <laughs> we make independent meth. Yeah. Just boutique meth. Just boutique meth. Yeah. It's all sorts of colours. We're, we're more like uh, it's the, the, new, the new iPhones. It's like, yeah, exactly. It comes in all colours like the iPhones. <laughs> Shit, dude, I got the green one. You can match your meth to your iPhone. That's what we do. <laughs> it's it's iMeth. Yeah. It's hipster meth. Come on. Oh, Hipsters right. need meth as well. They do need meth. Right. They, they actually do. They need to stay awake. They need to, to stay awake. read all those books and... Listen to This Is American Life. Yep. There's a lot of episodes. <laughs> I know. Yeah, there's no time to Ira not Ira Glass be on... doesn't fucking shut up. Yeah, there's no the glass time. is more than half full of fucking stories about America that hipsters need to hear. And they do need to hear it. Right. Yeah. Oh, man, that would I be I mean, right. maybe, you know, we could come up with meth that grows your beard really quick. <laughs> <laughs> Makes your eyesight bad, so you have to get glasses. Yes. But your, your beard grows really quickly. Really thick. Great for the men, awful for the ladies. Oh, it's horrific. That's our slogan. <laughs> <laughs> Jay and Will Smith. (laughs) Great for the men. All for the ladies. Get me six. (laughs) Oh, no, I am into this. Uh, You know, we package it in little cardboard containers that are handmade, you know, like... Yeah. We wrap it up. It would be beautiful. Yep. And we sell it out the front of our veggie patch. Right. We need a little veggie patch. Oh, that's a little cover. Yeah. So people come in for their, like, it's a community garden. We'll have a community garden in my backyard. (laughs) So we're always constantly paranoid while we're in here (laughs) cooking. And we're like, Jesus, that was a bad idea, wasn't it? (laughs) Some arseholes planting tomatoes. We're trying to cook our eye meth. Justin, is there a police function outside? We just needed people for the community garden. Oh, this is oh my awkward. God. This is a terrible cover story. <laughs> We're <laughs> awful at being criminals. <laughs> well, there's the first episode. Right. <laughs> that's, that's our new show. <laughs> awful at cri- being criminals. <laughs> awful and every week is just us trying to like, start a new criminal enterprise. <laughs> and every week it ends in us being arrested <laughs> and them just shaking their head and giving us, oh, you guys. guys. I know. And uh, then next week, another criminal venture. Yeah, we uh, rob a bank, 
Yeah. Realise we don't have a car. <laughs> no, we just try to do it like the Joker does. Like we try to reenact the Joker scene from the start of the Dark Knight. <laughs> yeah. Because we're too into it. We're like, this is clearly the only way you can rob a bank. Yeah. Except we're in Sydney and the buses never come by on time and we can't escape. So can you just stand there for a little bit longer? Something's about to come through that wall. Yeah. Uh, just wait. We didn't have the correct change, so they didn't let us. Oh, this is big. Yeah. Oh, you guys. You guys. Oh, you guys. On your way. All right. See you next week. Yeah, for, for another awfully committed crime. Yeah. I uh, I recently had a... Uh, can, can Ramona barking? Uh, yeah, I didn't know whether I should stop it or whether she would just actually stop if I ignored her, but it doesn't look like she's going to. So I'm just going to stop this for a second. So uh, I, I recently had... Sorry, a, I, I should oh. point out to people that we've gone with the solution of letting her in. Yeah, much easier. Yeah, so let's see if that works. Yeah, that's how we won up uh, Breaking Bad. We not only have a fly, we also have a dog. We have a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Who actually, uh, when we eventually like uh, are arrested for our poor meth making, yeah. the dogs actually learn how to do it. <laughs> the, and the people who take over our meth lab yes. keep reminder on. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> she can't make the meth as good as us because she's no. a dog. Yes. But, but to be honest, she can make it about 85% as good. Yeah. And for most of our pre-existing customers who are now hooked on meth, yeah. that's fine. We were only getting it at 27% purity anyway. <laughs> I mean, that's... And here's the thing. All the colour in it. I mean, there's nothing more hipster than a dog making a meth. Yes. Oh, you get your uh, meth from a human, do you? Uh, uh, whatever, mate. Uh, whatever. On. I that used is... to get meth from humans before it was cool to get meth from humans. Yeah. Who do you get your meth from now? A dog. Dog. Dog makes it. The, 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 <laughs> Ramona's meth. Uh, I uh, I haven't told you this. I recently had uh, an insight into what I would be like as a dad. Oh. Yeah. You got a girl pregnant? <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> And it turns out terrible. Yeah. It uh, <laughs> turns out you forced them into some really bad decisions. Yeah. Uh, it turns out it's a, it's a spin-off from our criminal. <laughs> Justin knocks someone up every week. I knock someone up. You knock up. someone up and then it ends at the abortion clinic with the same. Oh, you guys. It's a darker story. Oh, it's, it's more a HBO special than a... It's, uh, it's, it's the spin-off that no one asked for. <laughs> but um, I was uh, at a party and there was a... a a young guy there talking to uh, a, a couple of girls and he was talking about how disgusting Blurred Lines is. You know, it's a really sexist song and it's a really sexist film clip. Yep. And Which it is. It, yeah, but anyway, here's my point. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should point out before you make your point yeah. that those things are true. I'm not saying they're not true. No. But I also uh, found uh, myself, I was, I know him and I was around this area and the girls looked quite bored by this and so he asked me what I thought of it and I said, oh, I don't really care. And he said, oh, well, why don't you care? And I said, well, you know, it's like, it's just not important to me. Right. And he said, yeah, but you've got right on politics. And I said, I have got yeah. right on politics. But you don't have to have right on politics about everything. Not at all. In fact, I think you should actually technically keep, and this is my problem with the internet sometimes, is that people, like, it, you, you don't have to be angry every day. No. About everything. No. On the internet yesterday, and we'll get back to your bloodline oh, things because yeah, yeah, I yeah. think it comes into it. Yeah. Uh, there was this just this big d- debate between, like, anyway, I don't even want to go into the characters, but t- like two lots of sort of women, you know, on the internet who were just plowing into each other about one of them had written a column about, you know, rape and 
they had made some points about how, like, and look, I've spoken about this on the podcast before. My opinion is very simple. You shouldn't rape anybody. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. No one can be asking for it. Yeah. There is no, unless someone says, do this to me. Like, they literally ask for it. And even then, get them to write it down. Maybe yeah. get someone to witness it and sign it off. I think that's a really good idea. Right. Like, it might take a bit of the, you know, sexiness out, but it will also take the doubt out. The good news is that Ramona is now sitting on my lap and uh, and she's being really quiet. Yeah. The bad news is she now just farted on my lap. <laughs> <laughs> that explains why she is staring into your eyes like she has done something wrong. <laughs> she's gone from loud but not deadly to silent but deadly. <laughs> Maybe she's trying to get rid of the naughty. fly for us. <laughs> yeah, kill it off. Last night... I was lying on the bed and uh, she was gassy as well and I was watching The Walking Dead and it was like watching it in 4D. <laughs> I seriously was. I was like, you, you should watch this show with a gassy dog yes. because it is... You're like, oh my God, this is how the corpses would smell. Oh, okay, now she's getting on the table. This is probably not a great idea, Ramona. This is... Oh, right, well, yep. Let's see how that goes. She's going over to Justin now. Yep. This is, uh, this is like the... Um, a John Waters episode of <laughs> The Walking Dead. By the way, have you also pointed out that your dog, like, continuing our uh, our our gay theme podcast, your dog now has one paw that has painted toenails? Oh yeah. So Amy tried to paint her toenails the other day, but she only got one done because Ramona didn't really like her. So she just has one uh, toe with like pink, uh, like you know, nails. Yes. But it kind of just looks like. She's clawed someone to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like she's stuck her stuck her paw in a in a in a mouse. And she's hard claw. Hard oh, yeah. claw. You're a hard claw motherfucker. Oh, you are oh, hard yeah. claw. Do you want to get down now? <laughs> she has discovered that a live podcast is the, not as interesting as she thought. Nah. Oh, there you oh, go. There you go. That was smooth. Yeah. Um, so uh, they they got in this fight on the internet because. Uh, someone had written an article about telling uh, their daughters that they also, you know, should be aware of alcohol and how they dress and that sort of thing. And so then one group of, you know, people got angry at this other person saying, you know, you're saying that, you know, like it's men who are the problem and we should be telling our boys not to rape somebody. Right. And I'm like, yes. Yes. We also should be doing that. Yes. Can we not, own, do, do we only have a choice? No. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I absolutely agree with the principle that, a woman should be able to dress how she likes and go where she likes and we should have a society where that is possible. Yeah. I, I agree that everybody, a man or a woman, should be able to dress how they like and go where they like without the fear of being like bashed or intimidated or raped, you know? Yeah. However, we don't live in that world. No, that place is called Utopia. Right. And it doesn't exist. It doesn't need... We don't need to have talks with our kids in Utopia. No. It's fine. Well, guess what? The word rape doesn't exist there. Yeah. It's fine. And if yeah. it does, it's a fun word. Yeah. <laughs> that's how that, that's the one place I go, this is how cool this place is. When you get there, they go, we've made the word rape a fun word. Yeah, exactly. Everyone makes jokes about it. Oh. It's the boring thing to make jokes about. Yeah. It's like cats and dogs are different. <laughs> Airline food is uh, disgusting. So uh, my principle is this, that I, I, get, I got both sides of it. Like right. I, I got what the people were saying because I agree. Like, you know, I do think that sometimes when people say, oh, well, she was out at night and she was wearing this, then yeah. it does give into that culture of somehow they deserved what they got, which is never the case. No. However, they were both on the side of, we don't want anyone to get raped or rape someone. Yeah. And sometimes I think that we spend a lot of time attacking each other yeah. or getting angry about shit that we shouldn't be getting angry about and not getting angry at the shit we should all be getting angry at. Yeah, you know what it we is. We all agree that rapists are bad. Yes. Let's all bond together with our various opinions 
And it's like when the Republic and Australia didn't get through because one side was against the Republic yeah. and then there was two sides who were pro-Republic who had different schemes yeah. and they fought against each other. So the Queen is still the fucking boss of Australia. Yeah. Not because more people didn't want the Republic. More people wanted a Republic. Yeah. But the fucking Republicans were too busy fighting with fucking each other. Yeah. And the Queen's just fucking giving everyone the royal finger out the, you know... I mean, I don't think the Queen was, by the way. No, I, I don't I think know. the Queen was fine with it. <laughs> yeah, she was, <laughs> It wasn't like the Queen she was, on the last day was up there just fucking twerking, just like giving wow, it to everyone. That is a vision. Although it would have been great. That would have been... Uh, I would have actually uh, been for the Republic if that had happened. So, Blurred but, you know, Lines is, is the thing. Oh. Like, so, I wanted... Sorry, I, this is what I wanted to talk about Blurred Lines. Right. Is that... You're allowed to be angry about things that you find important, but it doesn't mean that you have to get angry about everything that comes along that may fit into the category of things that you find important. Exactly. And also, there is just something, and this is a, this is an older thing, but I think there's a place for people, young people who are right on with their politics. Yeah. You know, I think that's actually a good thing. You know, hey. I love it. Racism is bad. It is. Hey. Shake up the world. Make some difference. Sexism is bad. It's great. Yeah. But sometimes the right on people can apply it to something that you don't give a fuck about, which is blurred lines. Right. And so... You're uh, like, if you don't like it, don't watch it. Just don't watch it. So he was saying, that doesn't get you angry. I said, no. No. And he said... Well, horny? Do you mean horny? Well, I said, he said, do you find it, <laughs> don't you find it offensive? I said, no. Did, said, those, did those women not get paid? Yeah. He said, have you listened to the lyrics? I said, no. And he said, why haven't you listened to them? I said, I can't hear them over the sound of me masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> this is how Blurred Line goes to me. This is all I've heard so far. I listened to the Christian Slater remix. I went to SeaWorld and I thought some seals were doing a cover of Blurred Lines. I thought, they're so fucking, they've trained them really well. <laughs> this is TJ Pump Up the Volume, right? No, I, I'm absolutely, I, I absolutely agree with you, which is in things like that, I don't love the culture that we're in that, you know, makes people think that, you know, because I look at film clips and increasingly, you know, just every single one of them seems to be like, hey, I'm going to take off more of my clothes and do more right. of that thing. Yeah. But at the same time, like, that's a broader cultural thing. It's not like Robin Thicke didn't come out of the fucking blue and do that. Not at all. And the film clip was his wife's suggestion. Right. So that that's the, the thing I find most fascinating about it. But he said he said And he to paid me, the models. Yeah, they, they, they got paid. They were models who knew what it was and went and got paid. Right. That's their job. Right. So Is he, that any more or less demeaning than any other day being a model? Where you have to like, you know, parade around half naked well, in other people's clothes to show them off? The, I, I would say it's not. No. Now we could go to the broader issue of, you know, like modelling and the fashion industry and people, you know, being pressured into eating fucking tissues so they don't put on any weight and shit like that. Yeah. But it's very hard to tell me that blurred lines is much different to anything that you see in the modelling industry. Yeah, right. So he said to me... But you now I am angry. <laughs> yeah, you're furious. <laughs> he got me. He got me the bastard in the oh, end. Young I wasn't people. angry about blurred lines, but it turns out that blurred lines was just a scab and I picked it off and I'm angry about other things. This is a terrible way to start the day. But he said to me, you have really good politics. And I said, yeah, I do have really good politics. And I'll tell you this. I actually like the film clip where they're not wearing any clothes. Right. Not just because I'm political, but because I reckon the women have more power in that film clip. Because in the film clip where they're wearing underwear, the guys are like, hey, look at us in this film clip. And then the one where they're naked, they are panicking. <laughs> they right. don't know where to look. Yeah. Like They're moving around. They they move like old men. Like In the one with the underwear, they're like, hey. But in the one without the underwear, they're kind of like, oh, like that's my uncle dancing at a at a party. Do you know what I mean? That's a good point. And uh, I must admit, I've not watched the one where they're wearing clothes. <laughs> <laughs> 
I did it just for comparison's sake. Yeah, well, I only only watched the one without clothes for research. Yeah. The first 50 times. Yeah, exactly. You want to really know what you think. It's actually, no, I I did. I watched it. uh, I I can honestly say I watched it once and I was like, but that's not the sort of thing that I'm like. No. Because I'm an adult. Yeah. I can see naked women whenever I want. Yeah, exactly. It's great, isn't it? It's one of the great things. I mean, it is one of the great things about being an adult. Yeah. One of the other great things about being an adult is we're pretending that this is work at 9.30 in the morning. (laughs) It's so good. I've been up for hours. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an adult. This is the the girl next to him. And this is, uh, I wrote this down on my iPhone, so I would get this right. When I said that, and this poor boy, I'll be honest, I was... Being a bit cruel to this yeah, boy, yeah, but the girl, the girl, the girl, it was fun. Yeah, this girl said to me, she said, "If I had a dick, I would flog along to that too." <laughs> and I have to say, right. that is the best sentence I've heard this year because people have died in wars for her to have the right to say that. It's also one of my favourite Slim Dusty songs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a country song. If yeah. people don't know Slim Dusty from overseas, uh, <laughs> I'd love to have a beer with Duncan. Uh, the pub with no beer. Yeah. And uh, if I had a dick, I'd flog along to that too. (laughs) One of his, one of his. Yeah. I mean, not his biggest hit. No. But for me, I felt like a direction he could have explored more. (laughs) Yeah, it was his Johnny Cash's hurt. (laughs) Rick Rubin produced the album. It was, it was very dark ahead of its time. I mean, I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the thing that, and I had fun with this boy, and I, I, but I realised that I was uh, repeating something that had happened to me as a as a young guy when I was right on with my politics, and I was just carrying out those same things, right? So when I was about nineteen, I was hanging out with the uh, with Paul McDermott. And at that point, I looked up to Paul, and he was, uh, uh, for people who overseas, Paul McDermott was a part of a trio called the Doug Anthony All-Stars. Iconic Australian comedy group. In fact, like, you know, one of, still to this day, in in an era where a lot of people pretend to be dangerous. Yes. At the time, what they were doing on television and live genuinely seemed like anarchy. Yes, like properly. Yeah. It was, they were unbelievable. Yeah. And but great as well. Yeah. Like, like, you know, these days you'll see some people who are genuinely anarchic, but they're not actually also great. Yeah. And they just had that brilliant blend of like showman and anti-showman and before it was a thing. Like, I mean, if you looked at it, you know, people now. Yeah. I mean, I think the great thing about Doug and the All-Star is for a group that have not been together for such a long period of time. Yeah. I think if you years. compared them to other comedy of that era. Mm. While some of their stuff wouldn't seem as revolutionary today, no, um, a lot of it would still hold up very well in a way that you know people who are groundbreaking comics then their material doesn't hold up, yeah, as well, yeah, um, yeah, well, yeah, be, genuinely. And I reckon you know, like a, a little bit Velvet Underground, in that lots of people who saw them were inspired to do stuff, and right. you know, anyway. So I was hanging out with Paul McDermott, and I uh, got into a conversation with him about Basic Instinct, mm. and I was like, "It's just disgusting the way that it treats oh my women." God, Justin, so, who were you? Wait, you're going to love this so much. I have I have <laughs> waited to tell you this on a podcast. <laughs> So I was like, it's just disgusting the way it treats women, and that like that shot of Sharon Stone is just, it's just awful, you know. Mm-hmm. And Paul said to me, because <laughs> I was right on with my politics, because feminism was a good thing, and sexism yeah. is bad, and racism yeah. is bad, yeah. And like, don't hurt puppies. Like, there's lots of things. Right? I mean, all those things are still good principles. They are very good principles. I still stand by them. Yeah, I'm old fashioned. Right. But Paul looked at me and he said, 
Nah, I loved it. I just thought it was carnal and there was just some bestial quality going in that moment when Michael Douglas went down on Sharon Stone and his eyes rolled into the back of his head. I just thought it was amazing. And the two things that bothered me about this conversation was, one, I was thinking, how can he do this? Like, he's this great guy. I really look up to him. He thinks all the things that I think are bad are bad and all the things that I think are good are good. I can't believe he's saying this to me. And the second thing that bothered me about that was I hadn't seen Basic Instinct. (laughs) I had just read about it and was saying something to him because I was trying to impress him. (laughs) Oh, my God. You hadn't even seen it. No. Oh, there's nothing better than being angry about something you haven't seen. Or that you've only heard about out of context. And just trying to impress someone who had seen it. I mean, what a, what the a, world of internet comments and talk about radio would be empty without people who, who, who like have that same principle as you had that day. I felt like I was groundbreaking. I right. was ahead of the game. <laughs> you were doing talk radio before talk radio. <laughs> I have an opinion on this thing that I know little or nothing about. <laughs> so, so knowing that I had gone through that and there was halfway through, you know, giving this guy a blurred lines education mm. that... Uh, I suddenly realised, oh, this is what I'd be like as a dad. Right. <laughs> and then you should have also just rolled it into, and by the way, have you seen Basic Instinct? <laughs> Sharon Stone shows her pussy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beaver shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a... It's a um, I think if we're, we're looking at exploitation of women, yeah. then there's, look, you know, there's certainly work to be done at every level of our society. Like, you know, but there are bigger issues that, you know, it'd be, I, I feel like sometimes we get distracted by the sideshow and we con- don't concentrate on the fact that there are still women living as second class citizens or that there are, we- yeah. even in first world countries, lucky countries, richest per capita country in the world, Australia, yeah. women still get paid less than men in most industries. Let's even take it to the the macro. Uh, You might remember before Darth Abbott, we had a female prime minister (laughs) and all that seemed to do was give people permission on social media to call the person in the highest office of power a cunt all over social media, men and women. And I found that is what I'm going to be angry about. I don't give a fuck about Robin Thicke. Here's the thing that I found interesting about the Julia Gillard thing was that I think there's some hypocrisy involved because I don't people I don't think people saw what they were really angry at. Mm. A lot of people are like, "Oh my god, people are calling Julia Gillard names on the internet because she's a woman." I I actually don't think that they were that people were calling her the same names that they call every prime minister. Mm. The level of vicious, horrible outrage towards Julia Gillard was about the same level as that John Howard, particularly around the wars and some of the refugee policy and the children overboard. So it happens on both sides. What happened is the misogyny got attached to the attack. So people weren't happy enough to just go... I think she's rubbish because of this. Yeah. Or, you know, or even I think she's fucked because of this or use vicious language because of this. Yeah. What they then did was added misogyny to the insult. I don't actually think that the insult came from, well, I mean, I'm sure in some people it did, but I don't think that a lot of this stuff that got swept up in there, it's all misogynist. The reason I don't like her is they're misogynist. Yeah. No, the reason I don't like her is they don't like her. Yeah. But what they've done is when they attack her, They've then added misogyny in the same way as people who don't like Barack Obama, a lot of them at least. Yeah. It's not that they don't like him because he's black. Yeah. It's when they they don't like him or his policies or his government or whatever. Yeah. And then when they insult him, they bring black to the table. Yeah. 
And that, I mean, but my point being, it's almost the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but like, I think there is a slight difference there that, like, you know, because people are like, I'm not a misogynist. No, you're not. No. And you're not even attacking her because she's misogynist. Like, I'm attacking you because she's doing a shit job of this. You know what? She is doing a shit job of that. But when you attacked her, I attacked her about her opinions on gay marriage all the time. Yeah. I attacked her about her position on climate change all the time. Yeah. I attacked her for being a disloyal person all the time. But. What I didn't do is add the fact, you know, she's disloyal. Like a bloody woman. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what people do. Yeah. There's genuine reasons to attack her. She did a terrible job in a lot of areas, but you didn't have to bring her sex to the table. No. In the same way as Kevin Rudd was terrible, terrible. But, you, you know, you, like no one but no brings, one was bringing up right. that he was a man. No. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, and that's the difference. Yeah, yeah. But I think in the misogynist mind, or the person who doesn't think they're misogynist, yeah. they're like, no, 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 I'm attacking you because I'm calling her a bitch because of what yeah. she did to my electricity prices. Yeah. Yeah, well, get mad about that. Yes. But you don't have to have a sign that says, ditch the bitch. Ditch the, yes, you know? exactly. Yes. Uh, I, I also just think, you know, it's, uh, it, for me, it was also just a bad example for for young women as well. You know, that's what I didn't like. That because that language was being used, it's like, oh, well, look, if you get the highest office of power in this country, right. everyone's going to have permission to call you that. So, that there is no incentive in that. You no. Know? And it's a, it's a terrible lesson. And then you also get people like Andrew Bolt. And I, I, look, I should actually stop mentioning his name because I know that- Well, if just, he stops providing material. I mean, it is a bit hard. Well, I'd make a deal. But he's the sort of person who does that sort of thing of going, like when someone rang the other day about like, you know, a, a female possible leader for the Labor Party. Yeah. He made that argument of, well, we had a female leader and it didn't work out. And then right. that's different. Yeah. Because that's like saying, that's like the person who comes to the comedy club and sees a shit female comedian yeah. and doesn't go, that was a shit, fe- shit comedian who happened to be female. They yeah. go, women aren't funny. Yeah, exactly. No, no, that woman isn't funny. No. I agree with you. Yeah. She was terrible. <laughs> she is terrible. Yeah. But you'd see that bloke over there? Yeah. He is equally terrible. Yeah, he's worse. He's worse. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't suddenly go, all men aren't funny. All men aren't funny. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, it's, uh, I don't know. Was, uh, I, I, anyway, that's something that I'll be more angry about. I'm just not going to be worried about. I just don't even really believe popular culture at this point like has that kind of effect. Well, it's- much like the Andrew Bolt thing, I think that popular culture gives us as much or uh, has as much or as little power as we enable it to have. Yeah. And that's what I think I've tried to do with that that end of popular culture now yeah. is not give it any weight or seriousness at all. Yeah. It is what it is. It's junk food. It's fast food. But let's not pretend it's anything more than that. Yeah, exactly. They're dancing monkeys dancing for our entertainment. Yeah. And if you and I, I guess I include us in this, but like you know, but certainly that end of popular culture is just disposable and for no other reason to exist than to shift units and sell products and that sort of thing. That's all it fucking is. Yeah, just ignore it. It's like those like the women's magazines are like she's fat this week, she's skinny this week. Don't buy them. Just don't buy them. You don't need them. In fact, find other things to have conversations about with your friends, and you will enjoy your conversations a lot more. They're heaps more. Have fun. you seen the Batman trilogy? <laughs> <laughs> It's funny that you should bring that up. You know, I'm, I'm fascinated by people who continue to watch things or, or participate in things that um, that they're not into. Like there are the there are some Doctor Who fans that have not enjoyed one episode since it's been brought back, but they have watched every episode. It's interesting, and it's like why? Would- I was like that with Smallville though. I watched all of Smallville in the hope that it was going to get good. Really? Yeah. 
But I never thought it was good. I'm not someone who, like, you know, loved Smallville at the start and then yeah. thought it got shit and then was like, I hope it gets back to when it was good. Right. Like you like just... I did with Dexter. Right. <laughs> or oh. Heroes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I watched both of those shows, you know. Did you watch Dexter right through to the end? Well, I haven't watched the last episode yet, although I know what happens. It's... So, again, and this is to my fucking spoiler point that's going to come up every fucking episode <laughs> now. If I, I knew that if I wanted to not hear how Dexter ended, yes. I had to watch it when it, and I didn't give a shit enough. No. I'll watch it at some stage, but I just haven't got around to it. It's phenomenal. It is in how a, terrible it is. Oh, it's horrific, but it's phenomenal. Like, it's a phenomenally bad ending. And it shows you what happens when you don't have a, con- a consistent showrunner's vision. Because. Cons- so, okay, explain to me what you mean by that. And by the way, if you're worried about Dexter final episode spoilers, switch off now. Yeah. And why? Because I haven't watched it either. No. So. So, so the best uh, show to compare it to, because it was ending at the same time, was Breaking Bad, yep. where you had Vince Gilligan as the head cheese and his loyal band of writers, and they knew exactly where they wanted to take it, and they planted things, and they just had that consistent vision from the first to the last episode. They yeah. should have <laughs> I don't know begged yeah. Vince Gilligan. Yeah. To in the final episode of Breaking Bad, yeah, uh, it turns out that like Heisenberg makes a phone call to get someone to come over and like take care of one of his problems. Yeah, and, and it's, it's Dexter, and it's Dexter, and that's their final episode as well. Wow! And they just ignore the rest of the show. That, no one else gets a goodbye. No, but at least Dexter gets a decent goodbye. It would have been awesome. Like you don't understand how much better that would have been than the final episode. But they because they changed writers and uh, and showrunners etc. That Showtime and all the writers viewed Dexter. As as a superhero. Right. Like they actually said he's a superhero and there you had on the opposite side you had Vince Gilligan saying, nah, Walter White's a bad person. Yeah. Right? So the, the, there's a, the disparate problems. Anyway, the last season is full of, you know, ex-girlfriends turning up, you know. Uh, you know, the, the Australian girl comes back. Oh, Yvonne Stravinsky. She's so pretty. She's uh, she's that, really pretty. So I, I met her once too. It's gobsmacking in, in person. It's like, yeah. oh, that's hurting my eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but can imagine that. Her character was horrific. It was just so bland. And the the last episode is... Who, who would you say... That's probably uh, an example of white, white male privilege more than anything. That conversation we just had there in light of what we're talking about, yes. that we both like named a female actress and immediately talked about how attractive she was rather oh, than whether yeah. she's a good actor. Yeah, no, that's unfair. She's, she's really, a good, really good in Pete's movie. Yeah, uh, in Pete Hellier's movie. Yep, and, and I like she's also Chuck. really attractive, which yep. is part of why people are employed as actors. Yes, well, that's what you know I'm how I feel about Ryan Gosling. People, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> he is so. Have you seen In Only God Forgives? No, I haven't seen it. Oh Lord, I reckon you'll hate it. Yeah, uh, but I, that's what I thought that too. Yeah, that's why I didn't see it yet. Yeah, I I had the feeling that I would not like it. Margaret uh, Pomerantz gave it four stars, and David Stratton gave it one. And halfway through the movie, I said, "Holy shit, they're both right." <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fascinating. Yeah. It's a fascinating movie. I reckon he has 14 lines in the whole film and he is so emasculated. It is unbelievable, but mm. it's also shit ass. Yeah, right. You you could you know what? It's a little bit like a David Lynch making a Stanley Kubrick film. Right. <laughs> yeah, they, no one wants to see that. No one <laughs> wants to see that. Like what is happening in this film? <laughs> oh my god, there's a Terence Malick shot. Like what is happening? Yeah. It's so bizarre. Hey guys, what we thought we'd do is yep. take a bunch of directors that have really, really individual styles, right? Mash 
their signature moves together. People will like that, right? Yep. Nah. Nah. <laughs> nah, they will nah, not be into it. Who do you reckon is the second most important character in Dexter? Who is the second most important character in Dexter? I mean, even that's hard to identify, which I think is one of the faults of the show, Oops, right? Yeah, you go Walter White, you go right. uh, and, Jesse. And their relationships with Dexter are normally, you know, what's important. And early right. on, they did have that. Because yeah. obviously you had, his, uh, you had his sister, you had the people he worked with, and yep. you had like, you know, a detective who, you know, is Was suspicious, yep. you know? So... They're, they're real dynamics and you see how everyone relates to Dexter. But over the years, because like, and you know, this is a, a sign of, you know, I, I think I even missed a couple of episodes, but you know, it just got to that point where you're like, ah, I know enough to understand what's going on here. Yeah, like, yeah definitely. Like, you know, and so when his sister found out, that could have been, uh, to me, the- that's where the show should have been like, you know, okay, we've started the descent to the end. Exactly. Right? Like the sis- his sister, like I mean, and I guess that means that she, up until that point, I would have said that Deborah was the most important other character in the yeah. show. And I thought that when she found out, that just made complete sense to me that, right, this can no longer be a secret. Yeah. And this will send Dexter into some sort of... Endgame. Descent, yeah. Like yeah. maybe a descent into madness, d- descent yeah. into panic. I mean, maybe even the possibility that he has to choose between you know, being revealed and, you know, killing Deborah or, yeah. you know, something like that. Like, really kind of, you big know, moral big conundrums. moral conundrums for a person that we should at our heart always think, well, we like the fact that he's killing other serial... But, you know, he doesn't always and he hasn't always killed yeah. serial killers. There's Like, we can't, he can't win. Yeah, exactly. He can't win. But what they did was they... Like, in the same way as we watched the entirety of The Shield yeah, and the whole time, even <sighs> though Vic Mackey, you're like... I want him to win, but he can't win. He's a terrible person. No. And Walter White can't win. I know it no. felt like he had a small victory, but... It wasn't a great victory. But he didn't win. He didn't win by any stretch like of the Like the terrible means. destruction he has, like, reaped on everyone close to him... Yeah. ...is not a victory. Not at all. Not at all. But, uh, and it's... In and fact, he's the... Once again, like, uh, in death... It's all fucking about Walter White. All about Walter White. Right? Even Like, even in that last fucking moment where, he, like, you know, technically, he's fooled himself that he set everybody else up. You know, yeah. Like, even in that moment where he admits it was all about him. Yeah. Like, he does that all those all- things that are about other people. Yeah. And then, and then, but it's all still about him. The- like, he dies. He gets to fucking not go to prison. Yeah. And not pay for it. Yeah. And everybody else has to be left around to clean up the fucking mess. It's 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 a terrible victory. The only thing he does that is remotely remotely uh, for somebody else is when he throws Jesse to the ground. Yeah, because and I've had arguments with people about this. I reckon he went in to take Jesse out as well. And I reckon when he sees him and the way he's being treated, I think it just brings back a little bit of the Walter that always had that affection for Jesse. My gut instinct on that scene was he did not know what he was going to find. No. What he knew was that Jesse was making the mess with mm-hmm. the Aryans. Okay, there's heaps of spoilers in this, by the way, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. if you hadn't picked that up by now. Yeah. I don't know why you always have to say spoilers either. Again, yeah. back to this, but... Like, if people start talking about something you don't want to hear about... Turn off. Turn off. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the thing that um, uh, I... So, in my mind, here's how the story came together for me and why it made sense to me. He just, he knows that it's Jesse who's 
cooking the mess with the Aryans. Yeah. He knows that they were the ones who were going to kill him. Yeah. You know, so clearly some sort of arrangement has, has been made. Right. I'm guessing that he probably thinks it's not a partnership. Like, yeah. I, I'm guessing of what he knows about the Aryans and what he knows about the situation. Yeah. Where it was like, I'm guessing that he probably thinks he's going to find something pretty fucked up in the arrangement when he gets there. Yeah. So, I actually think that he goes to have a final reckoning with Jesse, whatever that, like, you know, without yeah. necessarily having an exact plan of what that's going to be. No. What I find will determine the way this ends. Yeah. And if he's working with them, guess what's going to fucking happen? Yeah, exactly. Everyone dies. Yeah. And if he's not, then yeah. maybe in that moment, Walter has a chance for some sort of fucking redemption. Redemption. Now, whether that was on his planned terms. or whether it was, but I, I, it was more, I think, about going, well, I know this is here. I, and I would suspect he, I mean, I think when he said, when you're in partnership, I definitely think that was a, he didn't mean that. Yeah. I think that was intentionally provocative. Yeah. Like he thought that was the way to get them to, you know, get Jesse out and into the equation to yeah. like, you know, I don't ever think that he thought, you know, there, he, obviously he there must have was... been a slight possibibility because yeah. they're working together. But I think of what he knew, he would have gone there expecting it's going to be fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think he realizes how, I think there's still a part where he's ready to let him get taken out with the machine gun as well. Possibly. I don't think he's there necessarily 100% to save Jesse. I think he's still rolling the dice on that. And then when he sees him and sees the damage that's been done to him, I think it brings back just a tiny bit of him. It depends. Not enough to redeem him. I think it's one of those things where it depends how much you think of that final episode um, and you know what he does you know, with the, the phone call to Skylar and all those sort of things. Yeah. How much of that you believe is him about actually trying to, you know, redeem himself and how much of it is about him, uh, you know, just you know, making sure that it's all about, you know, Walter White one last time. And that comes down a bit to how you read that character. Yeah. I think there's redemption in that last moment. Now, I mean, you know, I don't mean redemption that clears the slate. I mean redemption, yeah, slight redemption like you yeah. said. Now, whether he decided that on the way there in the car or whether he decided it, you know, back in the log cabin or whether he decided it in that moment when he saw what had happened. Yeah. that That's kind of more into, you know, how much humanity and how much, you know, evil, you know, how much it comes down in the end to how much of that character you see as Walter White and how much you see as Heisenberg. Yeah. And at different times, particularly in that last episode, it fluctuated so often between the two that I yeah. think that, you know, you're not meant to have an intentional... Oh, Ramona. Yeah. You're not meant to have an intentional resolution. Yes. Um, I, I... The... Um, I... Having Walking Dead flashbacks. <laughs> John Waters episode. Uh, I, God. I, I think there is redemption, but it's all on his terms because if he really wanted proper redemption for everyone, he would have turned himself in. He would have just told everyone exactly where those people were and he would have done it the proper way but he he gets his redemption on his terms oh right and it's redemption for us as the audience as well yeah like, and I mean, i'll be honest like i don't want to watch that episode no, no i want to see him get the red no, right. like you know that's a good that's a good anti-hero though you know it's like i fucking love mad men like there's no tomorrow i think it's been perfect all the way through and I love Don Draper so much even though he's horrific and the last scene of the last episode of the last season with uh, that he exchanged with his daughter sent a little flutter in Hamo's heart of oh my god can Don come back I was really really excited by that and that that's that's good writing 
which Dexter did not have. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. Well, with Breaking Bad, that was the thing. You wanted him to win. You just don't want him to win. Yeah. Exactly. Because you know, this is the story you followed. Yeah. You know, I think there is a thing about like you know having you know redemption for the character, but also some redemption for the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because that's where some people. <laughs> Otherwise, with- you were just like, "Hey, guys." You just spent five years of your life following right. a, just a terrible person doing terrible things. See, this the is, end. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is what I feel is I, I think when people talk about the ending to The Sopranos ruining it for them, I reckon they're incorrect. I reckon it's not that final scene. What I think it is is that when you suddenly realise when he tells his psychiatrist that he's just really enjoyed telling her stuff, that's the moment that your heart breaks. Yeah. That's the moment that you realise that that you've been you have been watching a show about a terrible person that you've invested in that you've hoped is going to get better and he just shoved it in your face yeah i reckon your heart's broken well before that final scene which i love but i i can understand people going oh oh you know and there's something the the shield is very clever about the way they end it because that show also tells you that the person you followed is an arsehole but they redeemed you with someone that you didn't expect yes that's true and that's and and uh, but it also has a sense of like it, strangely enough like the way the shield ends has a sense of to be continued for good or for evil oh, much yeah. more than any of those shows do even though the sopranos like is a ambu- ambigu- ambiguous yep. uh to be continued like yep. you know it could you know like there's argument about what happens what next. happens yeah the the shield one is like oh we don't get to know what happens next yeah but fucking something's about to happen oh my god <laughs> Something terrible is going to happen. Right. That that look on Vic Mackey's face as he walks out of there picking up the gun he's not allowed to have with the sirens going. Jesus yeah. shit. I don't know it's what the so fuck's good. about to happen, but whatever you could show me would not be as good as the potential that you've just showed me. Yes. And that, that, that I reckon that's the second best ending to a TV show I've ever seen. Hmm. Uh, after Mork and Mindy. Yeah, because yeah, well, you know what happens in Mork and Mindy. I did hear you talk about this on your <laughs> other on your other podcast. What, what was the final episode of Mork and Mindy again? <laughs> they, they, they somehow get caught in a time vortex and it's them being thrown about time and Mork yelling out, at least we still have each other. And then it's set in the present and they're walking past like a wall with with paintings on it Neanderthal paintings and there's Morgan Mindy like they went back to prehistoric times and just hung out and people went oh I better paint these two crazy looking cats <laughs> that's the end of that this, which is only marginally worse than Alf where he gets uh, taken away and gets experimented on oh yeah that's uh, <laughs> that's fucked up it's a I fucking mean, show of, about a puppet speaking of dark endings what are you doing hey, hey family you know you beloved that puppet you know the guy that goes eat the cat yeah like, you know, I mean, I know that we're not into people eating cats, but they didn't actually let, let was, him eat cats. It was just an idle threat. It was a running joke. It was a running joke. He may not have even enjoyed eating a cat. It might have just been a running bit. Who fucking knows? Oh, my God. But, yeah, they they, they took him off and experimented him on. It, could you imagine? Brought them, to you by the American government. Yeah. <laughs> could you imagine them doing a final episode of Sesame Street and there you see fucking Big Bird opened up, them doing experiments on him? Testing bleach in his eyes. Right. Like, what the fuck? The Swedish chefs in Gitmo. <laughs> Just- Speak English! Beaker's <laughs> <laughs> Beaker's making meth. 
<laughs> Beaker would be making meth. So the uh, final episode of Dexter, like Deborah, who is by far the second most important character, yeah. who w- and that is a great plot twist when she finds out yes. that he is a serial killer. But what they do is they do the anti-breaking bad. What they do is it's like Hank finding out about Walt and he has three days on the Terps because it freaks him out. And then eventually he starts helping him distribute. Yeah, That's what they did. Like they fucked it. They fucked Dexter is eight seasons of great ideas made poorly. And right. and even in the best seasons, they were three episodes too long. And all I'm saying is give it five years and we reboot the shit out of that because it's fucking potentially amazing. It's a good idea. You're right. Like, I mean, it's like, you know, you could do a lot. It's a great you idea. You could make a great show with Dexter. Yeah. They had a better performer than they had a show around him. Yeah. Like House. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Man, I watched a lot of House. Like you did. I watched every episode of House, I think. Yeah. And it, not much of it is good. Mm. But he is so good. That, so like, good. And the other one, I, I, I was uh, commenting on this yesterday online, but it, it, it amuses me so much. I've watched all eight series of Criminal Minds. Like never right. when it comes out or anything. Like literally just, is it's that, on Foxtel or it's like. Is that also one of your like to go for a walk shows? Right. I, I watch it a lot when I'm working. So yeah. it's on in the background. It's one of those shows you can literally just like get involved in writing something and then 20 minutes later you pop your head back up and you really. You know where you're you at. Well, you haven't missed anything that you no. think I should rewind to see that. Yeah. So that, that may explain what I'm about to say next. But I realise. <laughs> yes. That I've watched eight seasons of every episode of that show. Right. And I cannot name one of the characters. Oh, that is phenomenal. I don't know any of their names. That's great. I know that um, the unidentified uh, suspect is an unsub. Right. (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) That's it. Like, I use the word unsub a lot. Yeah. And, like, we've got to find the unsub. Yeah. But I literally, there's the quirky, like, girl who's, like, good with computers. Yeah. And there's the long-haired genius autistic guy. Yeah. Or maybe not autistic, but, like, some sort of, like, thing that they explore in different episodes. Yeah. And um, there used to be Mandy Patinkin, <laughs> and now there's someone else yes. with a beard. Yeah. And- uh, Another hipster. There's, like, a- you On know, our meth. There's, like, a Jack from Lost-looking guy who's right. not Jack from Lost. Yeah. Got some father issues. And- uh, Oh, no, they never explore stuff. Oh, he actually, you know what? He had a wife at one stage. Right. I think that went wrong. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> Eight seasons. And there's the black guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's good at finding people? Like he's the fit yeah. one who's good at finding people. That's it. Like I, don't, I have no idea what any of their names are. Yeah, is that insane? <laughs> that is mental. No one's looking around going, "Fuck!" I wonder what the last episode of Criminal Minds will be. No one's saying that. No one is saying. So, knowing your history on TV shows, Arrow, I didn't mind it. Like because yeah. I because I just it wasn't great and it wasn't awful. Yeah. And they said, let's, and that's let's, fine. let's make Batman Begins cross with Lost. Right. And I was, no, I was fine with it. I was also just happy to watch him do that thing with the chin-ups because it was so impressive. It, well, <laughs> well you, you, didn't have to, you didn't have to skip episodes to find it. No, it was, it was... It was in every episode. Every episode. Like every episode, even if he was just doing his book work for his nightclub. Yes. He'd be like, I better do some chin-ups. <laughs> Man, I'll be honest, if I could do it, I'd be doing it left, right and centre. That guy's pretty short in real life. Is he really? So they had to do a lot of work to kind of make him look tall, and the, and like you often find that like yeah, you because know, so he does a lot of exercise in close up, which makes him look massive. Yeah, but when you actually see him stand up, he's quite tall. 
Oh, uh, right. Yeah, he's Little Arrow. He's Little Arrow. <laughs> oh, my God. Which brings us to, uh, if anyone listened to the last podcast last I was on. Little Soups. Little Soups. We, uh, People like Little Soups. I, I appreciate it. have to come up with a Little Soups t-shirt. We could sell a Little Soups t-shirt. I would be into... Would, we can't get in trouble for Little Soups, can we? I mean, we wouldn't like use any particularly official logos or anything. No, we can't. Yeah. But, but we, we could have a little soups. We could definitely have a little soups. Yeah. You know, uh, we let us know on the Facebook page if you'd like a little soups t shirt. <laughs> and if so, maybe I could get Fosdyke to do a kind of not intensive drawing for it. Yeah. James, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> you know the rules, Fosdyke. I don't have much of a budget, but uh, I do have a budget. You, you know have what? Some we of can, the t shirt coin. Well, you know what we can uh, throw out to, to our, our friends listening yep. is that we came up with the perfect actor oh, for, for Lil Bats. For Lil Bats. Because obviously that conversation continued uh, off air and oh, we decided, oh, why don't we even talk about Lil Bats? Who'd be Lil Bats? And then we, we needed someone who could not only kick ass, but could also play Lil Bruce. Right. <laughs> because that's the thing about Lil Bats. Yeah. You have to be Lil Bruce. Yep. And that was my problem with Vern Troyer in the end for being uh, Lil Soups. Yeah. Is that how is he going to be Lil Clark? He is going to struggle. He's going to be Lil Soups and Lil Lex. Like it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. But yeah, we found the perfect Lil Bats. Peter Dinklage. Oh my God. He would be so good. He'd be f- I, I would love if they just said we're rebooting the Batman franchise and by yeah. the way, Peter Dinklage is Batman. He's so charismatic. He's about the only person that I would love to see play that role. I uh, mean, can you imagine? Yeah. Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Like, so you start... <laughs> you start... You know, start when he's a boy. Yeah. And he and his... Uh, now, are, are his parents... No. Lil? No. Or is it just little... Yeah, it's just little Bats. Okay, yeah, sweet. Lil Bruce. Lil Bruce. Yeah. So, Lil Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And, and it makes the why he's scared of Bats story a lot... Yeah. More realistic. It was like one took him away. <laughs> right. Picked him up one day. At any stage. And dropped him in a cave. At any stage, he can be taken by a bat. Yeah. And so, that, yeah, little bats, put it in clutch. And that's why that's why Alfred has to stick around. Oh, perfect. You're right. Like, it makes more sense. Makes a lot more sense. You know, because he's, you know, he's, he's little. little. <laughs> so, um, I love the idea that he's, uh, I mean, it's going to be a bit... I must admit the one flaw we haven't seen in this is you're really going to have to believe the police force is incompetent if they don't put together the fact that the little billionaire Bruce Wayne is also the little guy fighting crime dressed as a bat around Gotham. Well, he never wears the mask. (laughs) He never wears the mask when he talks to. But that's. But that's also like that's also. Uh, this is where we're, I mean, people no. are willing to kind of look away yeah. for that in the Batman films. But if there is a tiny person fighting crime and there's a tiny billionaire, surely someone's going to put that together. No, nah, I'm fine with it because it's like saying if you see a bad female comedian, it doesn't mean all female comedians are bad. Right. And if you see a little billionaire playboy right. who hangs out, it doesn't mean they're all the little superheroes. Right. But I'm just saying. <laughs> No, I agree with you. I think it's prejudice to believe they're the oh, same. Yeah, and that's I'm what he just keeps saying. bringing up. <laughs> that's what, that's that's his defence. He keeps bringing it up. Ah, uh, yeah, this is because of my height, is it? And then they're all like, oh, no, what? Uh, I don't, your height? I didn't okay, even, you're right. What? They've used political correctness as a cover story. It's his back political correctness. <laughs> I like it. No, no, okay, right, I'm back. No, I'm back on this now. So, Dinklage, we all know, can play a charismatic yeah. Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and he'd, he'd be good in the fight scenes. But Yeah, but when he gets into the bat suit, this is where this movie comes to life. Yeah. Because, I mean, come on. Yeah. He's that, a little bat person fighting on, crime. On a little bat pod. I mean, 
all the equipment can be full size. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's right. it's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. everything has to be in proportion. No, but he, he's like he, I don't think a little bat plane would be terrifying to people. No, but it could get between the buildings much better. I mean, ah, oh, ah. Oh. So he does that um, condor man thing where like. So he's in the Condor Man. We need to reboot Condor Man as a as a gritty. I always love Condor Man. Yeah, so do I. Um, so he does that thing where um, so he's in the big bat pod, for example, or yep. in the big uh, Batmobile. Yeah, and then you know a situation, for example, it gets caught in traffic. Yes, which is a problem for the Batmobile. Yeah, and then out of the front of the Batmobile, like the like the bat bike did in Dark yeah. Knight. But like just a tiny Batmobile comes yeah. out and he can go under the cars and through the truck. Oh, my God. Oh this God. is the greatest movie of all time. This is so good. <laughs> my God. I can imagine that kind of Nolan camera along the side, along the ground. You know, he's used it in the ri- in Rises and in Inception with the yeah. motorbikes. Imagine that. That would be good. And then maybe some from his perspective of the, you know, of the but also, going under the car and everything. Absolutely. But also the, the thing is, like, I mean, I know kind of it sounds like, you know, we're joking around with this. Dinklage is one of the few actors who genuinely has the charisma to be both, you know, kind of a bit unhinged and a bit charismatic. Yeah. That I can think of right yeah. now. Yeah. Who would be able to pull off both of those parts. And you know, parts. and what role I will use to convince people is the station agent. That's the role I'll pull out and people go, oh, yeah. People think it'll be Game of Thrones, but I'm going, I'm going back to early Dinklage. That's how far back I'm going. Right. How good would it be? He'd be very good as Bruce Wayne, little Bruce. He'd be very good as little Bruce. Oh, my God. You can imagine him charming the pants off of the ladies like he did with uh, Megan Gale in, in Hellier's movie. Yes. Yeah. So, so charming. Erudite. He's got nice eyes. Like, this is really going to nail yeah. the shit out of this franchise. Okay, so... Uh, we've cast uh, Peter Dinklage as a little bat. Yeah. So I think it's, a, uh, to be honest, I think it's a, uh, it's a masterstroke. Yeah. So, w- uh, are we just remaking the Nolan trilogy, or is there a new plot? Like, who are the characters? Like, run us through who else we're casting in this movie. Maybe uh, let, let's let's do a reboot. Right. So uh, what are we going to do? Are we doing all the heroes or are we just doing um, just doing little bats? It's all right. Well, no, I mean, like, here's the th- I, want, I just want to know who's in my little bats movie. I wouldn't... So, like, you know, you can tell... Like, you can bring in whatever villains you want. You yeah. can... I'm going gritty. Yeah. And I want... Oh, no, definitely gritty. Because I, I, I don't want this to... Like, I, I know that there's going to be elements of this that are comical. Yeah. But I'm talking, like, darkly comical. This is a yeah. straight version of this movie. Yeah. It's not like, ha-ha, he's tiny. Yeah. Got to be honest with you, Little Soups, my idea for that was, ha-ha, he's tiny. Yeah, but now we're going... But now that we've got Dinklage on board, now we've it got changes d- the game. It changes the game. And yeah. that, and you can course correct, and that's what good people do. Yeah. So, I'm... In g- the same way as the original Iron Man film became a very different film when they cast Robert Downey Jr. Originally, yeah. they wanted someone much younger, yep. like, you know, a bit more. And But the fact that it was a Robert Downey Jr. movie meant that it had to have a certain sort of gravitas to it. This yep. is a Peter Dinklage movie. Yeah. Peter Dinklage is Batman. That's how he pitched it. Yep. And Little Bats. And it's his, uh, his first job. I reckon he's only been Little Bats for a little while. <laughs> 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 and and I reckon uh, it's it's the Riddler as a serial killer, sending things to the cops. Love it. So who's the Riddler in this world? Do, have you got the casting suggestion for this? Right. So what do we want? We want <laughs> we could go uh, Christian Bale and the Machinist because you because you, <laughs> you're thinking uh, with the Riddler sending seri- like it's kind of like a like a seven or a yeah. something like that where yeah. or they're in the line of fire where they're kind of. 
mocking the police, but yes. it's not like a haha funny you know, crime thing. It's a literally like yeah, yeah. You know, or um, uh, the greatest one, the Die Hard with a Vengeance, like yep. a, the Simple Simon. You know, yeah. So it was riddles, yeah. But you know, like with a really dark purpose behind yep. it. Maybe do we? What about uh, Paul Dano? Who who? Uh- <laughs> He was. I didn't recognise either of those names. um, He was. uh, He was the young fella in There Will Be Blood. He was in the Ruby Sparks movie. You know what? I've seen There Will Be Blood, but I don't, yeah, remember enough of him to know. I have not seen Ruby Sparks. He was the young guy who hung out with Joseph Gordon-Levitt in Looper. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. The future one. They were cutting bits off and. They're appearing. Do you remember that guy? Yep. Yeah, I do remember. So he could, uh, yep. you know, he's kind of got a. I he, want a bigger star. I need oh, a bigger right. star. I'm sorry, we got Dinklage on board. We can't. Okay. We can't have Dinklage and a bunch of newcomers. We need like some actual proper, yeah, you know, heavyweight we, talent. We, we, we I'm need... not talking like Jim Carrey. No, 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 no. no. Like because we're going gritty. We're going gritty, but yeah. like it has to be someone who like people are like. Oh fuck! Have you heard Heath Ledger's playing the Joker? Yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. Uh, that's a good question. Did Gotta you, be someone with a bit of fucking evil to them. Did you hear that this is while we're workshopping this? Did you hear who one of the rumors for Lex Luthor was in the in the new movie? And I'm I'm into this. Actually. Brian Cranston. Yeah, no, no, no. That's too obvious. I reckon. Don't you reckon going to Cranston? Right, but that's what people have said. That's right? what people have said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, John Ham. Oh yeah, he'd be great with a shaved head. Ham would be. But you'd understand why everyone would be looking at that guy instead of the two idiots in the capes. Absolutely. No, 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 no. Ham's got it. And he can play evil. Yeah. You know, but he's got all the charisma that you need for that part as well. And he yeah. can play, and as we all know, he can play fucking like, you know, the moral, you know, compass all over the shop. Yeah. Which is what Lex Luthor needs. Because you've got to believe that people are into him. Yeah, he's but got- also you've got to like if you I mean, depending on whether they want to have any background of, you know, him and Clark having any sort of, you know, knowing each other or running into each other before then, you know, which they probably won't in this universe. But yeah. but just that idea that they have even have a relationship. Yeah. That they are kind of, you know, because in the same way as like Batman and the Joker are really just the same person yeah. who decided to do different shit with it. Yeah. Like, you know, you've got it to, for the hero to, and the villain to really have that, you've got to kind of feel like there is some something about them that is the same as well as all the things that are different. Here we go. I've just worked out who the Riddler is. Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, Good casting, so yeah, perfect. Yeah, because you know, like he's got good brown eyes, and you know, like there's a there's a there's a physical resemblance there. Yeah, no, I like it. You know, I and, like it. And he'll bring he'll bring the madness. And Dinklage's parents were killed, and his brother overdosed outside the Viper Room. So yeah, so it's all coming together. We'll put that in the movie. In what his you- backstory for the movie as <laughs> <laughs> his inspiration. <laughs> that the Riddler's brother overdosed outside the, the Viper, Viper Room. room. <laughs> Who uh, on uh, Venom? On Venom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah, outside the Viper Room, which in our universe isn't the Johnny Depp run club. No, no. Like it's it's Venom's nightclub. We're... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Poison, uh, Poison Ivy's nightclub, I mean. It's the Poison Ivy. Yeah, it's the Poison Ivy and I got some Venom. <laughs> you guys going to the Ivy? No, I'm going um, to the Poison, Poison Ivy. Ivy. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> I think it's a really bad place to go. So, you know, so h- how do you feel? This is controversial. Okay. As Gordon. In, in in a in a moment to try and rehabilitate this actor that has lost his way, do we get Johnny Depp playing a straight role? Is it possible? I don't know. 
I mean, <laughs> and I say that with all I w- sincerity. I would have said before the Christopher Nolan trilogy that we were never going to see Gary Oldman in a film where he didn't just chew off every bit of wood that was around him. So right, like That's I mean, he turned into a fucking chipmunk. It was ridiculous. Yeah, um, but. I thought that he actually was pretty restrained, like, you know, by he's, his st- standards. Man, he's, comp- uh, he's amazing. Right? He's amazing. So, yeah, if Depp was willing to bring that to the table, Depp, I think Depp would be great. I mean, if you said Peter Dinklage is Batman, Johnny, Johnny Depp. Depp, Commissioner Gordon, yeah. and uh, Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix is the Riddler. Philip Seymour Hoffman is Alfred. Wouldn't, we, wouldn't reveal <laughs> the, um, we wouldn't reveal the fact that... Uh, he was going to be the Riddler, you know, no. like you know, like Nolan did, keeping that really under wraps or just Kevin Spacey, t- Kevin Spacey in Seven again, yeah. you know that thing. Oh, yeah. What what about Kenneth Branagh as Alfred? Because <laughs> you want star power. You want star power. Not too too of of a different world to what we want to be, and we yeah, want to right. be a bit younger and a bit hipper, even though that we're like giving people a a chance to you know come back. So it needs to be someone who like someone British, yeah, someone who's like uh, of a certain. But we could do, oh, now again, maybe this is too far away from our world. But again, if he came to the table going, I want to do something, like I want to be, yeah, give me an opportunity to play a bit older than they've allowed me to play, you know, have a bit of humour. Because you like that about Alfred, a bit of humour. Oh, hang on. Who were you going to say? Hugh Grant. Oh, I was going to say Matt Smith. But... You've got to give Matt Smith a few years. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's he could why. be Alfred's son. <laughs> no, no, I'm thinking uh, Hugh Grant. Oh, well, he could be Robin. Um, yeah, Hugh Grant would Hugh be Grant. fantastic. Just doing like a real like in the Michael Caine's a kind of goofy actor as well, but yeah, you know, he can bring some shit to the table. Yeah, Hugh Grant is Alfred. Hugh Grant's underrated when he gets Peter serious. Dinklage and Hugh Grant too. Can you imagine yeah. the banter? Yeah, it'd be. Can really you imagine good. Bruce and fucking Hugh Grant having a little bit of? Yeah, my God. Every 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 summer, I go, go to get get myself a Fernie Branker. <laughs> I would encourage him not to do that, Hugh Grant. I want him to bring yeah, a yeah, little yeah. bit. Uh, yeah, less of the stutter, more no. of the more of the um, Bridget Jones diary. Also, no, yeah, a bit of the cad. That's right. Yeah, yeah about a boy, a bit of yeah. that sort of like you know, and a bit of a maybe had a past, you know, sort of thing. Like I yeah. like that. Yeah, you, and we a know. bit of the real life Hugh Grant, exactly. A bit of the like, you know, yeah, divine brown Hugh Grant. You know, do we uh, do we have a, a a love interest? Oh yeah, I think we've definitely got to have love interest. We like uh, in the first, and I'm just gonna just for the sake of it, because you're here, and it always amuses me when you make this joke. Uh, in the uh, first bit when he's being billionaire Bruce Wayne, we've just got to see him going up on heaps of women. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just couldn't resist. It's, it's, it is funny, though. <laughs> it's a funny visual. Uh, so I want to see him just like, you know, like have lots of success. Yeah. You know, like Bruce in the, you know, in the uh, swimming pool with the models, you know, in the, yeah. and like, you know, buying the hotel. Bit of that. Yeah. I want to see him like really playing up billionaire Bruce Wayne. I think we're longing for a Batman movie where we get to see. Just a bit more billionaire Bruce Wayne. 70s hairy-chested Batman. Yeah. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. Uh, I reckon we have two love interests. We have one, the girl that he's kind of, uh, who's a little bit ditzy that he has as his uh, facade. But mm-hmm. uh, So then we get the moral conundrum of him treating this person inadvertently poorly and then the woman who's his intellectual match that he's... Uh, that he's uh, I like it. Who are they? Uh, right. Okay. So... Uh, <laughs> So, um, uh, I reckon, is it a journalist? Is it a journalist that he's... 
I mean, journalists always are good. Like Vicky Vale. Is it Vicky Vale? Vicky Vale. Yeah, let's bring in... Vicky Vale. It's time for Vicky Vale to come yeah, back, Yeah, right? let's bring back Vic. Yeah. And Who's Vicky Vale? Who is Vicky Vale? Uh, who would be good as Vicky Vale? Do we want that? That works in too. And so imagine that she, she's following the murders. She's the journalist yes. who's following the yep the murders. And and is you know is good with a uh, you know you may still be that good kid deep down, but Emily Blunt. I do love Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt's always good. Yeah, I mean yeah, Emily, good. Emily Blunt would be good. Yeah. It doesn't like I don't I don't feel like I've really got there with Emily Blunt. Though. All right, um, feels like a safe choice. Uh, you know who is actually ah oh, the the woman that played the sister in the United States of Tara. <laughs> I can't remember her name. She's I can't really remember good. her name either. She's out because we can't remember her name. We mm. want stars. Don't yeah, we? we need someone that people are going to go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I reckon Pink plays the other girl. I saw her in a movie recently. It. She was really good. Yeah, I'm happy with Pink. Yeah, Pink yeah, is no, the party girl. But 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 when but he has a moment of realizing this girl's actually got a lot more to offer, and I've been treating her poorly. Yeah, but she so she still has self respect and a bit of fucking oomph. I know? like uh, that Nolan thing of bringing in someone like foreign. So is there like a you know a foreign star to play the you know oh. the feisty? Because they always like you know I mean and again that's the Emily Blunt thing or the yeah you know but. It feels to me like we need, you know, a little bit of, you know, is there a hot sort of French star or something? Or is there like a, I mean, you know, Rooney, what about Rooney Mara or something? You know, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh. I know that she's not uh, foreign, actually but foreign. No, but no, like, no, you no, know, but she's got a foreign look. Yeah. And a weird sound and name. Yeah, right, guys? Well, that sounds foreign sounds to me. Sounds foreign. That's our best kind. Yeah. <laughs> it isn't foreign, but sounds, it sounds foreign. foreign. That's how we prefer it. Uh, yeah, I reckon she'd be really good. Yeah. I think she's a really good actor. Yeah, I think she's good. And in the right sort of thing, I reckon she'd eat it up. She'd look good she with Dinklage. Yeah. She'd look really good with Dinklage. All right. Well, I think we've cast it. And uh, that's about all the time we have. Uh, I'm, I'm going to put this one up, uh, well, today or tomorrow because uh, as the next episode because I think it's a good sequel to uh, a Little Soups to follow up with Little Bats. Yeah, I, I do want to say that uh, we we don't have a big turnaround on our sequels and I, I think that's one of our strengths. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Get it straight. We're, we're like the Fast and the Furious franchise. Yeah. <laughs> Seven's coming out in April and uh, eight is coming out in June. Yeah. Keep an eye out. <laughs> and we've just signed Vin Diesel to another nine, so <laughs> it's fine, guys. Um, so, uh, so what I was going to say is um, that uh, I have trial shows uh, starting this week, which is why I'm doing so many podcasts to avoid working on my trial shows. Perfect. So instead, what I'm going to do at those trial shows, particularly the first week, which was always kind of the vague game that I had anyway, uh, is that I'll probably improv uh, the first couple of shows completely. Mm. And then after that, I'll start working out some themes. So if you're the sort of person who'd like to come and see me improvise some entire shows, Thursday and Friday, particularly this week at the Sydney Comedy Store, they're only 15 bucks. Um I'm pretty hopeful that you'll get at least 15 bucks worth. Yeah, you definitely uh, No will. matter what will happen. But, they, can come, um, they can come and sit with me. I'm going to come. Justin's going to come along and have a look and give me some tips and advice and stuff. And uh, and then, you know, by the second week, I'll start working out some themes and stuff, but there'll still be plenty of improv. So, you know, if you want to come back and see that or if you yeah. just want to, you know, you're like, look, I like you, Will, but for 15 bucks, I'm going to let you run some shoot in first. That's yeah. fine too. 
<laughs> I'm just letting you know what's going on. <laughs> we respect that. Hit us up on the Facebook page. I, I also have a new podcast, but you can't find it yet. Um, so I've applied to iTunes and I've put it up on Libsyn, but it doesn't seem to be even up on that yet. So right. I don't know how long it takes for a brand new podcast to sort of get accepted through all those systems and stuff. So I will let everybody know when it gets approved by iTunes, hopefully. Um, but it's called Willosophy and it's it's like it'll be in the comedy section, but it's not like a purely comedy podcast. It's an opportunity for me to talk to people that I find interesting but don't fit into this Tofalt world um, about... Well, basically, you know, as I as I picture to them, the one thing that they think to be true, but it's kind of like, you know, a philosophy they have or a, a guiding principle or whatever. My guest in the first episode uh, uh, was Todd Sampson. And when he came out, he was he was a little bit dazed because yeah. he, he said that uh, you talked about stuff that he had no idea that he even really thought. Yeah. It was really fun. Yeah. It was, I, I didn't do much planning because I wanted to have an organic conversation. I just wanted to start with that one idea yeah. and then use that as a starting point. But the idea would be that eventually if I get to talk to enough interesting people, you better dip in and hear what each of them think is an important guiding principle in their lives and maybe take something away from that and then I will start my religion. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the podcast has no theme music or anything at the moment, anything like that. So I'm going to work on all that as it goes on. But, you know, at the moment, I'm just going to let it grow organically and, and see where it goes. But it's... It's called Willosophy, and uh, if you keep your eye out for that, if that sounds interesting to you, then uh, that would be brilliant uh, as well. But I'll let everybody know when it's up and about. Um, uh, and Justin Hamilton, where can people find you? What do the, the, uh, Let's talk about the, the Shelf, yes, uh, which is the best uh, comedy room in Australia, but you only do short seasons, and you're yep. back for three more... Um, three more shows. Shows. 18th and 25th of November, 2nd of December. Uh, you can uh, get tickets for that at the toffintown.com. You can get season tickets where you see all three shows. It's a new show I recommend each week. it. Yeah. And, uh, Such a great show. And it benefits from going every week because there are certain yeah. running jokes and things. It's, it's sort of show that by itself you will enjoy any night but yeah. it, there's certainly more in it if you come every week oh definitely and yeah. it, it has a gala lineup every week oh yeah like we've got I was uh, so disappointed I was overseas for your entire last series and, and, and I'm overseas the, for this, this whole one series. as well I know but uh, because it is really my favourite uh, comedy room going around yeah, and, and, and the fun thing about it is that there's a variety of different kinds of comedy. You'll get sketches, stand-up, chats, character, musical, video. So, uh, it, it's it's a lot of fun. So, if you're, if you're in Melbourne and keen for that, come and, and check it out. And if you don't work early on a Tuesday morning, oh, it's I'd preferable. certainly recommend that. I write it's notes. It's a long show. I write notes. I write notes for everybody who <laughs> has to go to work late the next day. Uh, I'll be doing a solo show at the Comedy Store on the 29th of November. You can get tickets for that at thecomedystore.com. And you can check out my podcast, Can You Take This Photo, Please, where I interview comedians uh, from all over the places and sometimes uh, some different types of guests, uh, authors, uh, musicians, etc. So check that out. Do you want to say goodbye, Romana, seeing that you've sat here so quietly for all this time? Cat's got her tongue. <laughs> <laughs>